Take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 5. We're taking a break from the book of Romans for the next several weeks. We're going to be talking about various things that I want you to consider for us as a church. Um, Dave, when he read to us the scripture this morning, read to us from the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 20, which was an interaction between the Apostle Paul and the Ephesian church elders. The church at Ephesus was a very influential church in the early church period one of the seven churches of Asia Minor that is referred to in the book of Revelation. Um, The Apostle John was there for a period of his ministry. Uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, lived there and died in that church. Very important, influential church. And in that chapter, in Acts chapter 20, there's a lot of things about the church. There's a lot of interactions there concerning elders and their role in the church, the congregation, Uh, its role in the life uh, of of the purpose of God and the kingdom of God. And so we'll be looking in Acts chapter 20, but I want to just begin in 1 Peter chapter 5, and we're going to read these first six verses, and we're going to be here a lot over the next several weeks today. We're not going to be just going through these verses expositionally like we will be doing in a later study. We're going to be doing uh, something more foundational that's going to grow out of these verses But this is the Apostle Peter. This is the man to whom Jesus gives the keys of the kingdom. This is the man, the Apostle, to uh, whom Jesus replies, You are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He is foundational uh, in in the leadership of, of the church in the book of Acts. He is the Apostle that travels and ministers widely through the Roman Empire. Although much of the New Testament is written written by the Apostle Paul, we have two books, the book of 1 and 2 Peter, that are written by Peter. But Peter himself is a very important man in the work of God. And this Apostle Peter, this fisherman, who is been retasked instead of fishing for fish with fishing for men writes to the church and he tells us as Christians in 1 Peter chapter 5 he says so I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those who are in your charge, but being an example of the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive an unfading crown of glory 
Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you. That's elder and younger. That's everyone in the church. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. There are various things I want us to consider as we break from the book of Romans. I want us to consider you know, kind of what the church is, why it's here, who we are as a church. Emmanuel Bible Church, we're nestled here in this wonderful mountain valley we call home, Star Valley. Who are we? What are we all about? I want us to consider aspects of church life and ministry. We're going to talk about eldership as we pursue and look forward to ordaining elders, the elders who are among you. Talk about deacons. I want to understand some things about our specific church context. I want you to understand our church culture, who we are. A lot of you are newer to our church. You haven't been here in this valley very long. I want you to understand some of the history of the church, where it came from. I want us to think some about our valley. I want us to look ahead by looking around us. I want us to think about Star Valley, this place that we minister. Um, And I want these things to serve, Lord willing, as a framework for strategic planning that we do as a church as we look to the future. As we think about the future, you know, God has blessed us. Look around, we're pretty full this morning. There are some front row seats. But um, we're pretty full. We've been pretty full. We've been pretty full through the winter. And we look to the future. What does that mean? What, What should we do as a church? How do we grow? How do we continue to grow? What does growth look like? You know, one of the things that I want to hammer at you, one of the messages I want to hammer into our thinking as we think about these things is we want to grow for long-term sustainability, not just flash-in-the-pan growth. We've all seen that. We've seen churches that kind of come and go, that have a heyday and they prosper, and for four or five years they're the going thing in town and they grow and Then the rug gets pulled out from under them for some reason, and the whole thing implodes, and it goes from being a thriving, full, burgeoning ministry to a struggling ministry that is floundering. We want to grow in a sustainable way, laying good foundations for the future. What does that mean? What does that look like? Today... I want us to just consider just some very crucial considerations as we begin this. Some things to think about that are very important that we understand as Christians. And, and, And these crucial considerations is this. First of all, does everyone understand our purpose? Secondly, Does everybody understand our mission? The two are not exactly the same. We're going to talk about that this morning. 
But does everybody understand the purpose of the church? Does everybody understand our mission? Does everybody understand what we are trying to accomplish? We don't understand that. There's a failure there. What are we trying to accomplish? You know, if you don't know what you're trying to accomplish, you never know whether or not you hit it. What are we aiming at? What are we trying to accomplish? You know, if, if on the ranch, if we've got to take cattle out of one pasture and we've got to get them into another unit and we've got to gather all those cows up and we've got to find them and then get them to a gate and go from this unit into that unit, before you're going to do that job, you're going to gather your crew together and you're going to say, okay, this is what we're trying to do. Or, or you're, you're a boss, you're an employer, and, and you have something you're trying to do, something you're trying to accomplish. If your people that work for you don't know what the mission is, if they don't know what the task is, you'll never know whether or not you accomplished it, and they'll be discouraged, and they'll be disillusioned. What are we trying to accomplish? I want us to think about that for a minute this morning. Actually, for more than a minute. You don't get out of here that quick. What in the world is the church trying to do? So, here we go. What is our purpose? What is our mission? What is our aim? If you were to write that down, if you were to write down what is the purpose of the church, what is the mission of the church, what would you say? Let's think about it this morning. Let's think about purpose. Now, this is the first thing I want us to think about. I want us to think about, in a general way, purpose, and then in a general way to think about mission. When we think about purpose, this is what I want to understand. First of all, it's bigger than the word mission. When we talk about our mission... We're talking about something that's strategic, that's tactical. But, but when we talk about purpose, we're talking about the big thing. Why are we here? It answers the question, why? Why the church? Why us? Why? Why is the church here? The big picture. We talk about mission. When we think about this in a general way, we are talking about situational things versus the strategic. We are talking about the what. What are we trying to do? Not why, but we're talking about what. What are we trying to accomplish? That's what we're getting at when we talk about the mission. So we're going to talk about purpose and we're going to talk about mission. The two are related. The mission grows out of the purpose. The purpose is bigger. The mission is the actual what, what we are trying to do. Let's consider the military as an example of this. It's kind of amazing to think about how so many ways the military is kind of like the church. In fact, the Apostle Paul uses it, the military, military things, as an example many times in the Scripture when he's talking about spiritual things. It's interesting how military and the military life, the way the military is governed, what it's doing, there are many things that are very similar to the church. For instance, if you're in the military, you don't get to choose your people. 
They're chosen for you. You get your team. You get your unit. They're given to you, and you got to figure out how to make that a team and how to use them and how to use the people you're given. You know, the church is the very same way. You don't choose your people. God gives them to you. God is the commander of TV. He gives us who we are. He brings who we need, and then he expects us to become a team and to work together to accomplish a mission, a, a mission that he has for us. And so I want us to think about the, mission, the military for him. You know, what is the purpose of the military? What is the purpose of the military? If you were to put that down, I guess I'd go to the Constitution and say it's what? To provide for the common defense. That's why it exists. For our protection. It's not here for nation building. It's not here to kind of be on the cutting edge of wokeness and societal engineering. It's not here to give bubblegum to kids. Now, it may do all those things, and it may be doing some of those things, some of them doing very well and some of them doing very poorly, but its purpose, what it's about, is the common defense. It is here to defend us. What is the mission of the military in a specific situation? Now, think with me about this. When there is no clearly defined purpose and mission, People and the cause flounder. Think with me about the Vietnam War. What happened in the Vietnam War? Nobody knew why they were there. And so what happened? Everybody just hoped not to get shot and to get home. That sounds a lot like church too, doesn't it? Go to church, hope I get shot and hope you get home. You know, why are we here? Then nobody knew. And because nobody knew the purpose. Nobody really knew what the mission was. The cause floundered. You know, is it nation building? Is it humanitarian relief? Is it handing out bubble gum to kids? Is it being on the cutting edge of wokeness? You know, what is the purpose and mission? And because nobody knew it here, it failed. Now consider something else. Consider a different time in human history. Nazism is running across the continent of Europe. Neville Chamberlain was an appeaser. Makes agreements at Munich and other places. Throws Poland under the bus as well as Czechoslovakia. And Hitler's armies are running Europe in Blitzkrieg. France falls. France is divided. The army of England gets off the beaches of Dunkirk by an amazing act of God's providence that those men were able to live to fight another day and they get back to their homeland. But for about a year and a half, the only thing that stood between Hitler and world domination was a tiny, a, a tiny island. And a man named Winston Churchill was made the prime minister. He was not a very well-liked guy before the war. He was not a very well-liked guy after the war. 
But for that moment in time, God put him there to articulate and to lead the free world to take on Hitler. And he stands against the night in an amazing way, and he was able to articulate purpose and mission in a way that during a time when everybody is telling him to sue for peace and to hang it up and to call it quits, he says, no, we're going to stand. You've heard his speech. Now look at this, what he says, because this is what allows England to come out of this. He says this, you ask, what is our aim? I can answer in one word. It is victory. Victory at all costs. Victory in spite of all terror. Victory, however long and hard the road may be, for without victory, there is no survival. That's just an excerpt from the speech, blood, sweat, and tears. You've heard of his speech before. What is our aim? Victory. That's what he says. And because he could go to his people and clearly define the mission, people rise up. Churchill doesn't win the war. The people do. The people fight the battles. The people have the courage. The people stand. The people go. The people die. But Churchill was able to pass on a vision and articulate a mission. Our mission is victory. When there is no clearly understood mission, it flounders like Vietnam. When it is clear what you're all about, we're going to win. At all costs, we're going to win. The war was won. Mission, purpose. Let's consider purpose. Let's start here. What is the purpose of the church? What is the purpose of the church? People would answer that very differently. You moved to a new town. You just came here. You came here from somewhere else, let's say in the country. And you don't have any friends in Star Valley. So you find a church so you can make friends. Oh, is making friends a good thing? Yeah. I hope you make friends here. But is that the purpose of the church? What is the purpose of the church? What is it all about? Let's consider it for a few minutes this morning. Notice with me the book of Ephesians chapter 1. Paul says here, we have received an inheritance in him. Predestined according to the purpose of the one who is working out everything in agreement with the decision of his will. So that we who had already put our hope in the Messiah, might bring what? Praise to His glory. I want you to notice that. So that we, 
who have put our hope in the Messiah might bring praise to his glory. Notice this. He goes on. When you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed in him, then you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. He is the down payment of this inheritance we're talking about. For the redemption of the possession to what? Same phrase. Praise of his glory. So that those who had believed before and those who hear the message of truth and embrace it, receive the gospel of salvation, they believe in him, they are sealed with the Holy Spirit, and all of it is for what? Praise of his glory. That same phrase appears earlier in the book of Ephesians in chapter 1, talking about our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and how he is working all things to the praise of his glory. What is the purpose of the church? Praise his glory. Remember the Westminster Catechism we do? What is the chief end of man? To glorify God and enjoy him forever. What is the chief end of the church? To glorify God. To bring praise to his glory. Now let's think about this word glory for a minute. It's really hard to think about this. You know, it's hard to get this down into a way that we can understand. The goal of everything that God does, this is by John Piper, by the way, the goal that everything God does, of everything that he does, is to what? Put his glory on display. What does that mean? The glory of God. Now let's think just for a minute. What is the glory of God? First thing we can think about is the Shekinah cloud. Remember in the Old Testament, uh, the Shekinah glory cloud was the cloud that accompanied the children of Israel in their wilderness wanderings. It was this glory cloud that went before them and behind them, that surrounded them, that God protected them. And it was a visible, tangible sign to them of the presence of God. It was His glory. It is the radiance of His being. When we think about the glory of God... It is the radiance of his being. It is that all-encompassing, surpassing greatness of his value, of who he is. And so when we glorify God, what are we doing? We are putting his value on display. Hudson Taylor was once asked, no, I want to go back. I'll come to Hudson Taylor in a minute. I know this is small, but I wanted to do it on one screen. I hope you can read it. I'll read it if you can't. It's the book of Ezekiel, chapter 1. Ezekiel is in Babylon. He is sitting by the river Chebar, and he has this amazing vision. In a part of it, he sees this, a voice. A voice comes from a... Above the expanse over their heads, these are these creatures, and when they stood still, they lowered their wings, and there was the shape of a throne with the appearance of a sapphire stone that was above the expanse, and there was a form with the appearance of a human on the throne high above it. And from what seemed to be his waist up, I saw a gleam like amber with what looked like fire enclosing it all around from what seemed to be his waist down I also saw what looked like fire 
There was a brilliant light all around him, and the appearance of the brilliant light all around was like that of a rainbow in a cloud on a rainy day. This was the appearance of the form of the Lord's glory. And when I saw it, I fell down face first. Isaiah sees it in Isaiah 6. Woe is me, I am undone. For I've seen the Lord, his glory. In Hebrews chapter 1, it speaks of Jesus. And it says he is the brightness of his glory. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7, it says of us as Christians who are saved by grace through faith, he does so in order that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. God wants to display through Christians the immeasurable riches of his grace through kindness to us in Christ. So what is our purpose? Simply put, it is for God and for his glory. That is, for, that is the purpose of the church. The church exists for God and his glory. That is the why. How do we glorify God who is so great? Hudson Taylor was asked that question. Hudson Taylor was a pioneer missionary to China. And somebody comes to him one day and he says, how can I, how can we glorify God who is so great? Can we make him greater? No. And so Hudson Taylor replies, not by making him greater, but by bringing him nearer. And he uses the example of a telescope. You see a planet, and it's far away. It's great. It's glorious. But you can't see it very well. But you look at it through a telescope, it brings it nearer. And so is the work of the church. It is to bring people nearer to God. It is to bring God nearer to men as we display the glory of God and the the greatness of who He is. That is our purpose. Now, let's go on and say, what is our aim? We understand our purpose. Our purpose is to glorify God. It is to display God, to put God on display for men to see, to see the greatness of our God in his kindness towards us in Christ. That is why we are here. What is our aim? What then is our mission? What are we trying to accomplish? If you don't know what you're aiming at, you have no idea if you've hit it. Right? That's why some of you can't hit a deer in the fall. You don't know what you're shooting at. No, I'm just joking. Right? You've got to have a target. What is our aim? What are we shooting at? What is the mission of the church? We're going to think on a strategic level for a minute. And I would say this. 
It is building people for the glory of God. This is the mission that God has entrusted to us. This is our purpose, but this is what we're trying to accomplish. Building people. Building people. Why did Jesus come? What did Jesus say? I am come to seek and to save what is lost. I am come for people. The church is not in the business of building buildings, of having bank accounts, of having nice facilities, of doing this and doing that. And all those things may be important in a part of accomplishing our mission, but what our mission is, is you. It is people. It is building people. For the glory of God. Now on a tactical level, then, every ministry has a specific situational goal. Right? Just like you could say, okay, when we went into Afghanistan, we went in there with a mission as a country, but every time people go out on patrol, they have a specific target. They have a specific mission. And so too, the ministries of the church, in a big sense, what we're trying to do is build people. And then we have various things going on that are every different ministry that has in its own unique situation something it is trying to do to fulfill the bigger mission. We don't just have a nursery to put kids in another room to shut them up. That's not why it's there. It has a mission. What is that? There's greeters when you come in. What, what, why are they there? Just to give you a bulletin? You know, what's the purpose of that? What, why? What are they trying to do? What is the specific situational goal? And so if you're involved in various ministries of the church, we want you to be thinking about this because we're going to be talking about these things. What are you trying to do in what you are doing? What are you trying to accomplish? How do we do that? How do we accomplish that mission? If you're going out on patrol in the military, you know what you're doing, you're given the job, you know when you're coming home, it's pretty easy to know what you're doing and why you're doing it. Sometimes that gets lost in the church. How do we do that? How do we accomplish that mission? We're trying to build people. How do we know? How do we qualitatively know that we are accomplishing that mission? What clues us in? Now, there are things that we have. How do we do it? We have the means of grace that God has given to us. We have preaching and teaching of the Word. We have times of prayer. We have baptism. We have the Lord's table. We have worship. We have fellowship. And all these things that are a part of the mission. And so these means of grace that God has given to us are a means by which we accomplish the mission that God has given to us. We also serve one another. We serve one another. That's how we accomplish this. We care for one another. We listen to one another. We love one another. And hopefully we like one another too. The two are different, aren't they? You know, we don't have like a toolbox in the back of our truck that has the serving tool and the caring tool and the listening tool. These are relational things. 
a little harder to quantify when we think about accomplishing the mission that God has given us to do. How do we then know that we are accomplishing what we have been called to do? How do we know? Is it just because we have a full building? Now, it's sure a whole lot better to have a full building than an empty building. If you have an empty building, that may tell you something. But how do you know when you're accomplishing? You know, it's not just by having a full building that we know we're accomplishing what God wants us to accomplish. We could have a full building and yet be totally missing the mission. It is very easy to revert to just simply measuring success by counting heads. That's not how we know that we are accomplishing our mission. How do we know we are accomplishing it? Number one, are people saved? Is God's Holy Spirit regenerating people? Conversions. Fruit of the Spirit being exemplified in people's lives. Unity and harmony in the body. These are all indicators that we are fulfilling our mission of building people. You know, if we have a beautiful facility, we have every program you can imagine under the sun, we have a full bank account, we got vibrant worship, we have an orthodox statement of faith, but people leave here feeling like we don't care, we failed. Amen. We failed. We did not accomplish our mission. Because our mission is to build people. Now, is the orthodox statement of faith very important? Yes, it is. Is our worship important? Yes, it is. Is giving important? Yes, it is. Is programs important? Yes, it is. But listen, the person is what is most important here in fulfilling the mission. Not in our bigger purpose, because our purpose is the glory of God. He is number one. But we bring glory to him by fulfilling the mission he has given us. Jesus said in John 15, he said, if you abide in me and I abide in you, you will bring forth much fruit. And by this, my Father will be glorified. I don't want to fail. The burden of responsibility doesn't just lie on me. Or on Matt, or on your elders. The burden of responsibility to fulfill this mission lies on every one of you that warms a pew. The mission is to build people. We fail if we come in and out of this building and we don't invest in the lives of other people. We fail if we interact in the community 
with those who do not know Jesus Christ and we fail to care for them and share with them Jesus Christ. We failed. Our mission is to build people to the glory of God. And it is not just my responsibility or Matt's or the elders. It lies upon every one of us individually to take up the responsibility to fulfill the work that God has called us to do. Do we accomplish this perfectly? No. Do people sometimes go out of here feeling like we don't care? I'm sure they do. Because we failed. We don't accomplish this perfectly. But does that mean that we just then give up and quit? No. It means we do what? We reassess. You go out in a military operation and you get your tail kicked. You're going to come back and debrief. You're going to figure out what you did wrong and how you could do it better. And so as a church, we need to not give up and quit just because at times we fall down and we don't do this perfectly. What we need to do is to learn, to grow, to grow together and as individuals in accomplishing the mission that God has called us to do, which is to build people to the glory of God. So, I started the message by saying, do we all know our purpose? Do we all know our mission? I hope you do. What is our purpose? It is we are here for God and for His glory. We are here to glorify God. That is the purpose. What is our mission? To build people for the glory of God. To build people for the glory of God. That is what we are doing. So, team, let's do it. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your grace to us. I thank you for your word. I thank you that, Lord, you have not left us to just figure this out on our own. You've given to us insight in your word so that by your grace we can fulfill the mission and we can do your work in your way. Thank you, Lord, that you've given to us means of grace by which we can fulfill this mission. Lord, I pray for every ministry of this church. I pray for the small groups, for Wana Club and Sunday schools. Lord, all the interactions we have with one another in the foyer, around the pews and Bible studies. Lord, may we understand why we do what we do. Help us, Lord, not just to put in time. Help us to be intentional. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Matt. Would you stand together? Let's sing together in unison. Blessed be the, the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. The fellowship of kindred minds is like to that above. 
Father, Lord, we come before you thanking you, Lord, that we get to be part of a body of Christ. We get to have a goal and a mission and a purpose. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would help us in carrying out that mission. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.